Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Scarlet Faithful Podcast. I am your host and co-founder, Aaron Brightman, coming to you the day after an epic comeback for Rutgers men's basketball, uh, one of the more memorable uh, and remarkable victories uh, in Rutgers men's basketball history, let's be honest. Um, Rutgers trailing 19 points, 42-23, 17 minutes into the second half, and you know, things did not look good for sure. Uh, Rutgers struggling uh, terribly on offense. Defense had started to turn around, um, but um, certainly, um, you know, had gotten away from them at the start of the game. Penn State, you know, has shot at a relatively good clip up to that point and uh, did not look good. Did not look good. And, um, you know, true to fashion, Rutgers, uh, as they've been, pretty consistently throughout the Steve Peichel era backs against the wall come through more times than not many more times than not, I would say. And here we are uh, a week left in the regular season and Rutgers men's basketball. Now two crucial quad one road victories back to back huge boosters for their resume. Now four quad one road wins, six quad one wins total um in terms of quad uh one victories on the road they're one of just 11 teams uh projected to make the NCAA tournament or or excuse me 11 teams total in college basketball to have four quad one road victories there there's less than 20 that have six quad one uh victories overall uh and they're just in really good shape at this point you know uh I still work to do you know, their metrics aren't as good as they were a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, the loss of Moat Mag, they, you know, they've, they're now two and four without Mag. Um, you know, they were uh, metrics that were in the teens in both Kempom and Net. Now they are uh, Net as of uh, last night after all the games were done, number 32. Kempom, they're 31. Still very strong. Uh, they do have uh, three quad three uh, losses. Um, which could change. Michigan is surging. That was a quad three loss. Uh, that uh, could change pretty quickly. Uh, I think that has changed, actually, as I'm, I'm thinking out loud. But they still do have three. I know Temple is one. Uh, and then you have Seton Hall as the other. And um, I'll have to get to the third one. But overall, uh, you know, the resume is still in pretty good shape. You know, you do have Minnesota coming up uh, in our uh, the next game for Rutgers men's basketball on Thursday uh, at Minnesota. Uh, just to clarify, I'm sorry, it was uh, a little bit late in the day, short on sleep. It was Nebraska. Uh, so Seton Hall, Nebraska, and Temple are the quad three losses. Uh, Michigan moved up to a quad two. They were, you know, in quad three territory for a while. Um, but uh, that's a quad two. So uh, overall, you know, when you combine quad one and quad two, Rutgers is nine and eight. They do have those three losses, two and three, uh, quad three, seven and oh, and quad four, all really big margin of victories, which helps the net. Uh, and then in the next day, I'm going to have Brad Wachtel, Facts and Brax on to talk about bracketology. Uh, and we're going to really dive into all the scenarios. Uh, but Rutgers fighting for a top half of the Big Ten finish at 10 and eight. Uh, eight teams now, uh, aside from Purdue, clinching the Big Ten title. You have seven teams uh, between 11 and 7 and 10 and 8. The tiebreakers are crazy, head-to-heads, all that stuff. But the bottom line is I believe Rutgers can go 2-0 and this week. Uh, they have Minnesota, and then they have Northwestern at home on senior night, Sunday night, Kayla McConnell night. Uh, 
probably the last Big Ten game of the regular season, and uh, will be a ton on the line. Uh, so hopefully, you know, uh, things will uh, – I, I really – ties me all back to last night, and I wanted to harp on a few things just in terms of the victory for Rutgers uh, in beating Penn State. You know, it was the defense, first of all. Uh, we're going to get to the offense and, and kind of player contributions, but defensively, they were elite in that second half. Uh, they held Jalen Pickett uh, without a shot, you know, one of the best players in the country, uh, without question. He'll be a first-team All-Big Ten player. He's an All-American. Uh, did not allow him to shoot a shot. They dared Penn State to beat them any other way. Caleb McConnell definitely gets the bulk of the credit on his defensive job. He, he defended Pickett great in the first meeting as well, former high school teammates. Uh, Caleb McConnell we'll get to in a minute. But overall, as a team, you know, they were trapping him. They were just denying him. I mean, Cliff even hedged on his screen uh, by and, and got his hand up on a three-pointer. Uh, that Pickett ultimately didn't shoot late in the game. The team defense was tremendous, uh, and it just proved that, you know, while they do miss Mag, this team is still formidable uh, as a defensive team. They're still number three nationally in defensive efficiency. They're still number one uh, by a pretty wide margin in def defensive efficiency in the Big Ten, Big Ten play. Uh, this team can still play defense. I felt last night, as much as the confidence they, they um, can take away from that win, on the offensive end, I really think it's underrated in the sense that they, they can defensively as well. Because even though Penn State, you know, is not um, an imposing team inside, uh, they're the best three-point shooting team in the Big Ten. You know, obviously Rutgers lost to Iowa twice, got, you know, shot the lights out against them. But now against Penn State, they, they played great defense. Penn State, 4 of 26 in the first meeting, 8 of 29 in the second. Yes, some of that's a little bit lucky, you could say, in terms of Penn State having off shooting nights. Seth Lundy, the best three-point shooter in the Big Ten, 0 for 11 from three. Andrew Funk, uh, top five. He was one of seven. But, you know, and as it was said in uh, BTN during the game or in the post game, I can't remember, you know, the, the toll that Rutgers wears on opponents physically, mentally, I think, I think, it, I, I think that's part of it. And, um, this team's got to get their mojo back in a lot of ways, but defensively, I think, you know, they need to have more confidence defensively. And we saw what happened against Michigan, against Nebraska. And Michigan, they didn't play poorly defensively. They just weren't near an elite level that we're accustomed to seeing from them. So I thought that was huge last night. And the way they just shot, I mean, held Penn State without a field goal the last 9-15 of the game. It's incredible. It really is. Um you know, held them to 14 points the final, final 17 minutes of the game. In terms of individual contributions, let's, of course, start with Derek Simpson. Uh, what a star turn he took yesterday. You know, and, and and I saw some people say, oh, the emergency is too, too quickly, too quick to uh, anoint him, you know, has having emerged now. Uh, but I think people forget, you know, in December against Indiana, he did something similar, not not as impressive, but it was impressive at the time, especially being very early in his freshman year. He took over that game in the second half and was a big reason why Rutgers blew Indiana out. Last night was a different story. Uh, so Rutgers is down 17, uh, approaching halftime. It was really important for them to get as close to single digits as in the deficit as possible. He scored the final seven points of the half. Absolutely huge for Rutgers that he was able to do that. And then it really, you know, Penn State came out, scored those nine points in a row, started the second half. Paul Mulcahy picked up three fouls in the first two minutes of the second half, three minutes of the second half. Simpson comes back in. And, you know, just kind of picked it right back up. And I thought what was great about him, too, is, is you know, 
he it's not just his mentality the mentality flipped for the team in the second half because of simpson because of his ability to get downhill because of his assertiveness and wanting to attack but he he was looking for his teammates more so yesterday you know he shot early and then he was able to draw pressure and kick out and find teammates and you know rutgers did find um you know something that worked in terms of the weave up top uh, making a pass and then working off a screen. Simpson ran that several times. And what was great about that for Rutgers is they were able to score in different ways off the same play. You know, they they had a kick out to, to Oscar on the wing. He nailed the three. Um, they were able to get it to Cliff off the pick and roll. Simpson was able to score directly off it. So was Cam Spencer, uh, you know, either get to the rim or pull up jumper. So I think they found something there. And they've run that at times. You know, they did a little bit of that in Michigan State down the stretch as well. Um, but Derek Simpson's ability to attack the rim, his defense is so much better now. Um, but if he can run the offense now, it's an intriguing possibility and does give Paul Mulcahy the opportunity to work off the ball more. Uh, you know, when he was able last year to post up uh, and get fed the ball a little bit more, uh, than just straight kind of dribbling back down your defender. I thought he was more effective. I, you know, mad scientist approach thinking about it. I mean, I would love to see Paul setting screens for Derek and, and working the two-man game that way. I think that would be fascinating, especially on mismatches in terms of Paul's size. Uh, and, you know, Paul, I think, you know, he, he kind of bottomed out yesterday in terms of his production, no points, fouled out. Um, and I, I, I said this in a tweet, and I, I said this in my reaction videos too. I mean, you know, Rutgers needs Paul Mulcahy. They need him badly. They need his production. They need his assertiveness. He's the leader of this team. And Derek Simpson emerging now is not a call for Paul to have a smaller role. It's adapting. It's adjusting. It's using Paul maybe a little differently, and maybe that's better for Paul. I do think that, you know, we don't know, and I'm not speculating in the sense of, I know anything or I'm trying to lead in any direction, but you know, listen, Paul's had shoulder issues all season. We don't know where he's at with that. That could have been playing and could be playing into his confidence right now. Uh, a little bit less wear and tear, having to bring the ball up every, every possession, um, you know, shouldering the load, the pressure, uh, having Simpson be able to stand up next to him could really do wonders for his mentality. Um, I thought Oscar Palmquist, you know, really impressive what he's been able to do just in terms of, you know, I looked this up and I couldn't even believe it. I mean, he didn't play one minute in January, not a minute. He did not play one game in January. And here we are after February, eight games. Uh, he is 10 of 23 from three, 38.8%. He just had two monster threes last night. And what I, what I love about him is that, you know, I mean, he, he's Pykele, has given him opportunities throughout the last couple of years. Not a lot, but some, especially early in the season. And Palmquist, unfortunately, wasn't really able to ever take advantage. And, you know, I, I think if you go back and look, I mean, th there's a clear body language difference with him now. His confidence level, I kind of equate it, and maybe it's not the best analogy, but he, he's almost like, <laughs> he's almost like a, a, a big dog that doesn't know they're a big dog and hangs out with a bunch of little dogs in terms of how he held himself on the floor. Now, if you look at him, I mean, he's he's standing tall. And the way he, you know, is in his uh, catching position, the way he's able to spring into his shot, 
you know, his release point is so high. He can shoot over a lot of defenders and his catch and shoot mechanics are much better than they used to be. And I think a lot of it is just confidence and being comfortable on the court now. And he's really settled in, um, you know, since he had that, that breakthrough against Minnesota and then Matt got hurt, um, you know, Michigan state was, he was a little bit of deer in headlights, I thought, but he's gotten gradually better, gradually more comfortable. He's, he's more competent defensively. He's not making mistakes. You know, when he used to come in, he was very jumpy. He would turn it over. Uh, he would take a bad shot. He's not forcing things. He's playing within the offense. He's playing his role. And when he gets good shots within the flow of the offense, he's knocking them down. And he's adding an element to this team that they have not had. Uh, and that's what I've been kind of talking about the whole time is that, you know, I understand people are frustrated with the downturn after MAG and everybody keeps saying, you know, uh, one player can't do that. But Rutgers has been trying to figure out a new way to play. And it's not drastic, but they have to be different. They can't be the same as they were with Mag. And having a Derek Simpson who can give them a he, – he has a unique skill set for this team in terms of uh, by far being the best creator of offense, being able to get downhill to the rim and create. Nobody else can do it like him. Oscar Palmquist, 6'8 wing that can spot up and shoot threes and has a release point that really is kind of unblockable. Uh, you know, that gives them another another element. Um, you know, when Antoine Wolfolk, uh, can't, you know, it's it, I don't think it's fair to count on him yet. Um, I, I'm starting to feel like we can count on Oscar a little bit. You know, he's not going to hit shots every game. But I feel comfortable with him in the game now. Uh, I don't think we lose much with him in the game now. Uh, where I did before. Wolf, I thought. Yesterday, he only played eight minutes. But you know what? If he can give Cliff eight minutes of rest, and we know that he can he can defend the rim, he can rebound, and he can incorporate screening action into the offensive sets, and that he's competent doing that, and he's not going to be a foul machine, all of which happened last night, that's, that's a huge plus. That's a huge plus to be able to count on him for eight to ten minutes Give Cliff a blow in both halves, especially in the postseason when adrenaline's going to be high. If they can can get through a break each for, for Cliff in each half, and Wolfolk can provide that stability, that, that's a huge gain too. And I don't think that should be understated. I, I kind of loved when he went in against Michigan and, and literally just pushed Dickinson off the ball and just fouled him right away. I thought at the time, I thought Rutgers needed that kind of mentality. They needed someone to say, hey, we're fighting back. And I think these the, the, the young guys, you know, and Oscar's not really young. <laughs> it's his third year in the program. But um, uh, in terms of uh, what they were able to uh, provide now off the bench, they, they kind of have a fresh perspective, you know. And um, I thought the three of them were just enormous last night, huge uh, in, in the win. Um, and then you have Caleb McConnell, who played tremendous on both ends in the second half, four or five from the floor, nine points in the second half, holding Pickett to no shots, uh, obviously got some help, but uh, really did a, a you know, a great job in that regard. And, uh, you know, Pykele made it clear after the game he's not 100%. He's battling through stuff, his back, you know, back spasms. And I think, you know, just this team in general, I mean, there, there's we've seen, we've seen games where they've looked worn out and... They had every reason to pack it in last night. 
they, you know, could have very easily felt sorry for themselves, packed it in, gotten on that bus on 30 point loss. And, you know, they, the perception of the team, um, what that loss would have done just in terms of Penn state having a similar resume, uh, it would have been a very damaging loss, especially to lose like by 30 points. So for them to gut it out, uh, and, just claw back like that. I, I really think this can be, this is the moment where this team, and there's going to, listen, it's not going to be all, you know, rainbows and sunshines and lollipops from here on out. There's going to be ups and downs, but this could be a turning point in the sense of this is where their team, the team kind of bought in and regained a different identity post mag. This is the moment where, they're officially post-mag. They're no longer in that kind of uh, bereavement period, um, purgatory. I think now they can. there's things that happened that will help this team long-term now moving forward uh, with um, just the way they were able to win, the way they were able to come back. Um, it was huge. Cliff, you know, I uh, – I thought it was just so huge the way he when when Simpson so he Simpson with that unbelievable ISO drive to tie the game and get fouled take the lead he did the same thing with about thirty seconds to go and he was very effective in getting to the rim but he missed a shot Cliff was boxed out but it was a pure effort play from Cliff he got the rebound he put it back and he made the shot and it was huge to give him that three point lead that was just everything. And I just, you know, his effort level, you know, he's he's not the most sound offensive player. He's not the most skilled offensive player. Defensively, I think he's made major strides. He's, uh, you know, an athletic freak. Um, but I don't think he gets enough because he's such an amazing athlete. I don't think he gets enough credit for how hard he plays in terms of his motor. And he's just, he, he, his effort, his effort plays. He makes a ton of effort plays that almost don't look like effort plays because he's just so huge. He's so skilled in terms of being athletic and um, is able to kind of, you know, compensate for mistakes because of his athleticism. And um, I, I think that his, his effort uh, and just how hard he, he goes at it, you know, he played 38 minutes against Wisconsin. And last night, you know, again, uh, Wolf gave him, uh, you know, eight quality minutes off the bench. But uh, Cliff was all go the other 32 and uh, 13 rebounds, uh, only nine points. But, um, you know, and, and I think the other thing, too, is that, you know, his attitude, I think it, it should not be lost on how good his attitude is. He's not, you know, sulking if he doesn't get the ball. He's not, you know, being a diva. Um, you know, he and this is a guy that has pro aspirations, you know, and he is the ultimate team player. And I think it's just huge for this team. Cam Spencer. Uh, you know, they're looking for him more and more now, which is really important. Again, another part of the dynamic of this team evolving post-MAG. Uh, you know, the timeouts, I, I've talked about it before, but, you know, the way this team executes timeouts or after timeouts, possessions after timeouts in the Pykele era, you know, they're they're very impressive. Pykele always seems to call the right plays out of a timeout. And uh, last, a lot of them were for Cam Spencer, and he was able to hit on a few. Um, you know, and I love the way the swagger he played with. And let's talk about that final defensive possession. If you go back and look at it, when uh, Penn State was about to have one last desperation three, Spencer swiped and stole the ball. 
and then another thing that you know it didn't matter because the clock had just run out but when he got the ball he threw it down the court and that was just a heady play that you know veterans make uh that i thought you know he just brings an element to the team his his craftiness on the defensive end his ability to, to to produce steals but also just his head he's a very smart player not to mention his knockdown shooting ability um but i thought he, he played well last night and you know this team just it's 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 like they're putting it back together and they just need to build a little momentum here and i do think whatever that new ceiling is they're close to turning things around in the sense of i think they can accomplish whatever their new ceiling is you know is that going far in the big 10 tournament is that the second weekend in the ncaa tournament we don't know you got to get through minnesota you got to get into the big 10 tournament you know i think just for confidence reasons i mean it would be nice to see them win a big 10 tournament game but i think for their ncaa tournament chances you beat minnesota on thursday you're in really good shape uh are you a lock some people will say they're lock i think they probably will be lock um but i you know it would just be really great to see this team finish strong go into the postseason with with, with um on a roll uh and get that last one at the rack for caleb for the fans who have seen them lose two in a row now at home. I thought getting on the road was really good for this team. They've now won four road games in Big Ten play, fourth season in a row. Going for five against Minnesota would be a program record. Never finished five and five at Big Ten play. And now they have clinched also four consecutive years, 10 or more wins in Big Ten regular season play, which is astonishing because they won 16 in their first five years. 16 total. And they've now won 10 and 10 or more, uh, four consecutive seasons. They are one of five programs to do that. Michigan's done it. Uh, I should have to double check that, but, but Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, Wisconsin possibly could do it. They're eight and 10 right now. Uh, and Michigan. So it's a small list and Rutgers is right there. So, you know, where they finish in the tiebreaker in the regular season standings, we'll see. Uh, I wouldn't try to figure it out yet. Let's see how, the, how Thursday plays out. And then Saturday, Sunday will be a bunch of scenarios. But I just love the heart of this team. And I thought the way they played last night wasn't just that they won. It wasn't just how they won. But it was what they could take away from this win moving forward and how they can play a different way and an effective way for them that they can win with. And I think, you know, Derek Simpson taking a larger role in the offense. Paul Mulcahy having some of that that load uh, shouldered a little bit. Bad pun, I think, because he is with the shoulder all year. But I think, you know, he's a, he's a, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a confidence player and he's been in a big rut. You know, the way he played against Michigan State was beautiful. And if he can get back to that, you know, the way he played at the end of last year, or not even then end of last year, that stretch in February, you know, if he can get rolling for the postseason, Derek Simpson keeps getting better, um, you know, has a ton of confidence. You know, Andre Hyatt, I haven't really talked about, but he's had some big games late. You know, what will Pike will do moving forward? Does he start Simpson now and put Hyatt back on the bench? I kind of like that idea. I think Hyatt's also a confidence player and kind of, a, 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 I think mentally he was – he kind of got his head around coming off the bench and excelled at it. Um, so I think, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, you know, and, and they maybe can't play small 
you know, to start against every matchup. But I think it would be great to see Simpson in the lineup with, with Paul Moore. And then you have Caleb, Cam, and Cliff with Hyatt, Oscar, rotating in on the wings. And then you have Wolf giving Cliff breaks. Reber didn't play last night. Michael mentioned post game. He's another guy. He gives him another look too. He can he can, you know, hit the, hit a three. You know, this team is. I think we. I don't think you can count on consistent bench production from a scoring standpoint. But I think this bench is starting to show that they are reliable in, in some regard. In, in the sense of, you know, I, I I don't think they're at the point where they're going to make a ton of mistakes. Turnovers is obviously the key. Four turnovers last night. But I'm really excited about where this team is headed. I think, you know, there's a lot of season left. And I think last night we're just – I hope and think it's possible we could look back on last night as the turning point of where this team kind of reinvented themselves and took off before a memorable March, which is here this week, starting Thursday night at the barn, Williams Arena, Minnesota. I'm going to have Brad Wachtel on the podcast for tomorrow. And we'll go through all the bracketology – I'm going to have Nick Costco here this week to go over the Big Ten Championships for wrestling. And I'll probably do another podcast individual after the Minnesota game. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this, uh, you know, these kind of therapy sessions help. But today is a positive one. And uh, I think, you know, Rutgers fans just have to stay the course, stay positive, believe in this team. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. But we're at the most exciting part of the season. And I think this team showed a ton of heart, a ton of grit. And... They have a lot more basketball to play. Thank you again for listening to the Scarlet Faithful podcast.